This episode is brought to you by MSW Nutrition and Lounge, a partner in the How Do You Health Network. For decades, I've struggled with various gut and autoimmune issues, which have forced me to alter my life and career. Within the last year, though, after undergoing numerous blood tests, I've discovered that a majority of my health problems, they've been linked to vitamin and mineral deficiencies. Because I am now able to see what I was deficient in, I can also supplement against those deficiencies with the proper daily vitamins and minerals, as well as receive weekly IVs that are specific to my needs. This has changed the game for me. Today, not only do I feel like a completely new person, my ability to focus in life and business has increased, my athletic performance is better now than when I was a collegiate athlete, and most importantly, the relationship I have with myself, as well as the people I care about most, they are all thriving, and I'd love for you to feel the same way. So no matter where you are at in your health journey, whether it is scheduling your blood work or supplementing for your health needs, the beautiful part is the community at MSW and How Do You Health, they will listen to you and help you figure out the best path for you. So go to howdoyouhealth.com and use code THRIVE15 for 15% off all products and services. What's up? My name is CJ Finley, and this is the Thrive on Life podcast. I started a brand called Thrive on Life to help other mission-based people, brands, and businesses thrive. Each week, we interview people on topics of business, health, relationships, mindset, and much more to help us thrive in all areas of life. If the messages in this podcast resonate with you, but you're still feeling a little bit stuck in actually implementing these ideas, I'd love to help you on a more personalized level or connect you with somebody that can. So please reach out. Also, if you've got a friend who you know could benefit from hearing this episode, please share the love with them. My goal is always to spread positive impact through the sharing of knowledge, and I would be honored if you could help me achieve this goal. Today's episode is with Michael Limangeli, a serial entrepreneur and author who just released his first children's book, Ellie and the Earth. Mike is a dear friend of mine who has believed in me since this show began. You can check out his first episode, number 14, which we recorded over two and a half years ago. But to listen to that episode, you will have to download the app Podbean because the other platforms don't host my episodes that far back. In this episode, Michael and I talk about the road he took from a steady job selling warranties to car dealerships towards becoming an ice cream shop owner and operator to now today where he's a designer, modeler, business owner and investor, and now an author. I wanted to have Michael on the show at the end of this year for two reasons. One was to support the launch of his book, so please go check out AllieInTheEarth.com, and the other was to show you what you are capable of. Michael and I are both people who have taken the road less traveled, and we want to inspire and motivate you and other people on this planet to start trailblazing their own way as well. You can start that path now by tuning in and giving up for Michael Lemangeli. What is up, fam? CJ Finley here, back with another episode of the Thrive on Life podcast. And today, I have a special guest who's actually been on here before, Mr. Mike Limangeli. And his other episode, it was probably one of my first 20 and we did in his kitchen. But today, we're bringing him back on because he just did something extremely special. He wrote a book. And not only any book, he wrote a children's book. And one of the things that I'm trying to do in 2022 is inspire a lot of people to start a side hustle, start a project, create an idea, bring it to life. And Mike is the man when it comes to that. I don't even know how many ideas you've already brought to life. So I think the first way that we can kick this off and kind of get this going is I'd love to know your entrepreneurial journey in terms of, I know that you had a job prior, but let's bring it way back to maybe when you were a kid. Did you show any tendencies of being entrepreneurial For those that don't know, Mike is really great at design. He helped design the first Thrive Studio, and he's helped me a bunch in a bunch of different areas, and he's great at branding. So was that just always you, or did you have projects when you were a kid? 
How did that even come about? First, you should mention that we painted this room together. We also designed this room for a quick second. Um, <laughs> what color is the wall? I'm colorblind, so I don't even know. Like We chose money green. Money green. Why'd we choose that? Because <laughs> Y'all money. know why we chose <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. You know why we chose it. Or it, sorry was, to it was money and avocado combo, actually, which is perfect for you. The last studio was black, which I loved the beautiful your passion, but I wanted to add some more color because what we're going to do here in the studio is we're working, and if you're watching this live right now on video, we are working to start adding in backdrops and potential products to the background, and I wanted something a little bit more colorful for that. So stay tuned for that in 2022, uh, but for now, we just have these lovely green walls and chatting with a lovely guy right here. So... Back to the topic of where did it start? My mom, she always thought I should be a doctor. She always thought like more of me than I thought of myself, which was cool. But I didn't really like taking tests. And if I'm going to be super honest with everybody, I cheated a lot because I just found like it was such a waste of time to memorize things that didn't really matter. So this is like full send. I don't talk about this much, but like when the first iPod Touch came out, bro, just cheat sheets right on my lap <laughs> because it didn't really matter. We're talking like Gregorian chant music class, which doesn't matter. And it, I, it mattered to my grades or whatever. And you're just like, this is so stupid. So I did cheat a lot, not in like the bad way, like things that I actually cared about. I never cheated, but I just realized that I wasn't going to really be bound by the parameters that school gives us. And I just thought that was kind of stupid, but I still had to play the game. So I had to like pretend like it mattered, especially to my mom and dad. And then as I got older, the SAT started coming up, which again is fucking bullshit to me. Why would somebody's intelligence be tested on a 1600 value? Well, actually, that's the old value. Then it became 2100 for some fucking reason. And I think they brought it back. Yeah, they brought it back. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> Whatever. So again, it doesn't really matter. This sliding scale of intelligence has no actual bearing on who we and are. I love that you brought up that point because it's it's not that tests are bad. It's that when you're younger, you're so impressionable. And it was funny because I made a comment, like Mike is drinking out of a red solo cup right now. And he asked me Cheers. if, uh, if he should get a glass, if he should be drinking out of a red solo cup. And I was just like, nah, like I'm not important enough for it to matter or whatever. And it was just a joke, but he, he, he snapped back and said something. But as a child, uh, you, you were looking for, your role on this earth. And I just think we put too much pressure on the importance of a grade. And when you're a kid, you learn to determine your basically importance of this planet yes. on this planet is if you get good grades or not, or if you're a good kid or not, because they'll label people you're doing like you do one bad thing. You're a bad kid, yep. but it's just like every human makes mistakes. Um, uh. So I love how you went that path with the whole entrepreneurial of like, because I mean, I cheated too. Like everyone, everyone does honest. it in some way. Yes. It doesn't always show up in the same way. You cheat yourself in some way or another. So it could sh it could stem from if you're an adult and you are overweight and you want to lose weight, but you're cheating yourself out of doing that because you're just not making the time. So there's a lot of ways that it, cheating can show up. But it's funny you mentioned iPod. Uh, the touch. Yeah, the touch, <laughs> dude. I used to. I literally got two detentions because there was this one biology microbiology or something like that and we were taking an exam and I wasn't actually cheating on this exam I was using it for music because our class was just chaotic and she 
literally was like, take that out or you're getting detention or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I refused to to take it out because take a stand, yeah, people. Just, so that was the other thing that I relate to you on, which which is I was doing my best to keep calm and, and just take this test rather than getting frustrated. Do you remember the first time that you thought these constraints are stupid or that this just isn't for me? When did that start showing up? Maybe like fifth grade. Fifth grade. By the way, I loved elementary school so much, which is another lead into this book. But fuck, I loved all my teachers. I don't know if we're supposed to rewind or something. I have so many thoughts in my head. First of all, just for anybody listening, when you joke around about saying that you're not important, your body and soul don't know that you're kidding. So like, just be clear, don't talk poorly about yourself because you might convince yourself that you aren't important, for starters. Secondly, I think you brought up a good point about the schooling and, and the testing and how our value as a, intrinsically as a human being is based on A, B, C, D, E, F. I don't know, some people don't even have Fs anymore. It's just <laughs> E's, but we had Fs. And um, I think that's so messed up. And I'm reading this book right now called Letting Go. And it's just like so cool how it's like trying to break us out of these parameters that were set. You're either right or wrong as a kid. And it talks about grief and guilt and Wrong and right is kind of subjective, not generally, but like sometimes it is. And like people make mistakes. I accidentally swung a golf club back without checking behind me. I like knocked my best friend in the eye and my dad made me feel so bad as if I did it on purpose. So then it makes you feel guilty, right? But like you shouldn't have guilt. It was an accident. Like you can feel sorry for what you did, of course, but like not rail at home that you're a fucking bad kid because you did that. So I feel like the grades and all that stuff, it we shouldn't be raising kids to feel wrong and bad in those ways. Or if you're a good kid or a bad kid or A's or B student, we're limiting their brains from the get-go as to like who they could be. Because there's plenty of amazing people, grown-ups that were C, D students. Gary V talks about that every single podcast I listen to. He's like, I'm a D student and look at me now. He's saying, fuck the teachers who like doubted him. And I don't have that kind of revenge. I did have asshole math teachers that said I was shit. But I'm like, dude, congratulations. Geometry. I don't need that. Yeah, and it's interesting. Well, you bring up math. I think the problem there is like, how do you, I mean, we were talking crypto prior to this. That's math. Yes entrepreneurship is math. A lot of it is math. Literally, right before we're talking, jumping on this podcast, you're talking about margins on the book that you're selling. Yeah. That is math. It's interesting because I'm married and in relationships, a lot of times it's not what you say, but how you say things. And I think that the, the whole system of education, it never teaches teachers how to say things. Mm-mm. It only focuses on the what, which is this yeah, kid content. either passes or he fails, yeah. rather than saying, if this kid is failing, why is he failing? And then approaching it in a different way of how do I say it in a different way so that it relates to him individually? And this is where I think the power of really the digital and the metaverse as everyone's talking about now is individualized education where you can talk to somebody, 30 kids in a room, and they can apply it to their own individual life. Just like me, you were a skateboarder when you were younger. If they were to have talked about skateboarding in a context of how math applies to that, I would have been a lot more intrigued rather than what they were doing. So I'd love to jump into... Okay, you kind of had this like rebel in you and this, I don't want to kind of follow the common path and I know I have something more important that I want to be doing. 
Did you have any businesses when you were in your teenage years or when you were younger, or is it all kind of just more creative? Definitely more creative. The one time, this is a, not embarrassing, kind of stupid story, but we went trick-or-treating for money one time. It was like <laughs> it was like July 18th, and my mom got so pissed because she hated the idea that if we were the keeping up with the Joneses, her children were going around asking for money. We had nothing to offer but just trick-or-treat. Can we get a dollar? I don't know why that story stuck out to me, but like it's just so <laughs> stupid. It was really my older brother's idea, and I was just along for the ride, but we got in trouble regardless. I mean, today it's like Patreon. Yeah. Or like, yo, that's a Kickstarter, a Kickstarter. campaign. <laughs> I can't give you anything now, but just wait. I'll come back for the you. The original Kickstarter. Yeah, exactly. Also, just to specify, math is important. I was just trying to tell my geometry teacher and trig teacher to fuck off. Margins are important. I loved algebra. Business math is cool. Um, I had to take psych stat statistics and stuff in college, which was kind of interesting because they actually did what you're saying. Where like in my psych degree, psychological statistics was math problems regarding psychology. Okay, cool. At least it's like on brand. Like you said, if we had a skateboarding question, I'd be like, I will listen to this. I loved baseball growing up too. We were athletes. I loved running. If they had, how many miles will you run in this and that and the other? I'd be like, I can solve this for sure. But they didn't make it individualized. And I think you're right. I think something cool in the metaverse or whatever the future technology is with teaching children is how they can respond to it and how they receive the context is more important than like the content itself, mm -hmm. just landing it. So another alluding to, I tried to make this specific content so readable and so enjoyable for parents and kids. But to answer your question, no, I didn't really. I mean, we all did a lemonade stand. I'm pretty sure, you know, like we did that kind of shit. Well, I figured that your answer was this, and it's one of the things that I find common with a lot of today's entrepreneurs is they had other tendencies that led to entrepreneurship, but didn't realize it at the time because no one talks about it. And it's not being educated. It was never educated. We didn't hear about business when you're in school. It just baffles me that you don't hear about it because everyone goes to a job at a business. Correct. Right? Yes. And it just doesn't make sense that it isn't ingrained in why are we learning what we're learning? Like how a lot of times I'd be literally asked the teacher, like, why are we learning this? And they That's didn't a have a good response. And that was my first inkling that like, yeah, this is a game. This is all bullshit. Yep. So my cheating looked more like, this is also like entrepreneurship, like bartering with people. How do I get other people to do my homework and things for me? It's like yeah. building a team where I only focus on really what I like to do. So it's funny how those tendencies show up today, but I'd love to like fast forward into, okay, that kind of sets the tone for where you were at when you were younger, but what was your actual first business that you were trying to create? So when you're in sales, you are given the tools, you're given the marketing materials and all that stuff to create your own business with a business. So the warranty company that I worked for gave me everything I needed to learn how to sell and go cold call door to door of car dealers, which is usually an awful experience for most people to go car shopping. So that was my life every day was driving hours on end all the way down 95 from Maryland down to the southern part of Virginia back up to Maryland every day and hit all the cities in between all the car dealers. That was really the first inkling of like, oh, I can sell this, I can sell anything. And then I saved up all my money and then we made the ice cream shop with that money. So let's reverse. I want to know a day in the life. What does it look like? You mentioned going from Maryland down to Southern Virginia. 
I'm a car dealer. Imagine you're just stopping in. So you just like park your car yeah. and you walk in and like, I get what's out. the approach? I get out with my fucking binder and I come straight to you and I said, hi, I'm looking to uh, speak with someone about warranties. Depending on the kind of store, they have a gatekeeper where they have the front desk person who's going to gauge your level of salesmanship, your smile, your relatability, your likability within like minutes in order to let you back to the person who actually will have to speak to you about warranties. And sometimes that takes 40 fucking times of where you're creating a rapport with somebody who's not meaningless by any means, but it's one of those things where it's like where you treat the janitor the same way you treat the owner. Because sometimes that person that you were trying to get to was that person all along. So the way that you build mm. that rapport with him or her, and then it turns out that they're the F&I guy, the finance director, and they're like, finally you come in and they're like, you know what, come to my office with me in the back. And you're just like, oh, it's you. Like, what a surprise. Like, <laughs> I know everything about you. And um, really what that looked at too is as soon as I walked in, I'm scanning for kids' pictures. I'm scanning for sports memorabilia. I'm scanning for how I can be a chameleon right the fuck now to get you to like me. It's kind of manipulative, but that's what sales is in a way. And if you play your cards right, you really can almost get anyone to like you. But I may have mentioned this in our first podcast, but there's one time I went to this very hick town, Virginia, and I have my earrings in. And like the first thing I like go to shake this dude's hand and he kind of doesn't even want to shake my hand. And he's like, I didn't know men wore earrings. I was like, oh, okay. I was like, you know what? Have a good day. Like, I'm not your guy. And it was like a small car dealer anyways. But it was like one of those things where... Cut your losses. Yeah. I was like, this is going to waste my time. He's probably going to be so distracted by my little tiny fake diamonds in my ears that he won't even (laughs) listen to what I have to say. But um, yeah, so the day in the life is literally open the car door, grab my binder, slam the door, open another door, walk in, see if I can speak to anyone of importance. And a lot of times there's just a lot of rejection. You just keep going back. It's like... Now as a 32-year-old, I was 22 at the time. I probably would be better maybe now, but like I was just so relentless. Someone would literally be like, dude, stop coming. And next week, I'd be like, all right, I'll see you next week. And then you get the business. It's fucking crazy. Let's break this down. So like you mentioned you're relentless, but what was the difference between when you were in school and when you had this job? Why were you relentless there, but like you didn't relentlessly want good grades? Because I was kind of the opposite. Like I was so competitive. I wanted to get the highest grades possible. I wanted, even if it meant cheating the system and figuring that out, I'm kind of more of the engineering mind that has learned to be more creative versus you're just a very creative mind from the start. Why was it when you had the sales job where you kind of like flipped on a new switch? Well, to be fair, like I was a 4.0 student as well because I understood the game. Whether it was cheating or not, I just still wanted to have that. I mean, you got free bowling. You got free bowling with A's. (laughs) You bring your report card, you're like, let's go. But there was still a switch because I'm not going to cheat my life and cheat my job. So I think... Can you though? Like that's no. the thing. I don't think you can. No, but like, that's, like, that's why school is bullshit. Because yeah. you can fake it. You can cheat it. Yeah. Oh, I love you can't this. cheat like a fucking commission job yeah. where you, you're going to fake your sales and then you're, that's just not going to work unless you're the higher up of the CEO and then you get tax evasion, all that shit. You're going to go to jail, but pumping stocks and stuff. But the switch flipped when I realized 7% commission of everything. It was limitless. The more dealers I saw, the more contracts I brought in. And then the cool thing too is like once you hit a certain amount, you're almost already on the other amount because you have to go collect. I became a check collector, which was so cool because my day was, I got out of bed purely to go get money from people. They wouldn't want to mail the checks in. They wanted to see me. They wanted to have 
the friendship. And I still have so many friends that are car dealers. Like every time I go home for Christmas, I see my boys. They were just car dealers to me and I looked up to them and now it's cool. They're supporting the book. They look up to me in this cool way because I broke out of the system. I had so many car dealers too that told me not to go. They're like, dude, you have a $100,000 plus career. You have an amazing apartment, amazing life, great car. Why would you leave this? And I was like, because there's more than just 150K a year. That's just, I want a million a year. And it's not really about money, but like at the same time, I just know our potential. Yeah, you don't want the same thing over and over again. It was very if you're a creator, that's years. like, yeah. yeah if you're, you're like, a creator, that's just like the thing that kills your soul. Yeah, pretty much it was just monotonous. And then you're glued to your phone, not in an Instagram way. You're glued to your phone because every call is a problem that you need to solve. So you are constantly offering solutions. It could be 1030 at night and someone's selling a car and they can't get on the website to type in the VIN number to then do this, that, the other and get you a warranty. So you're just making it happen. And I didn't like being so available to everyone. I was so stretched thin that like my relationships suffered too, like with my friends and my girlfriend at the time, you know, so. What's up, guys? I'd like to take a second to thank you for tuning into this episode with Michael. I hope you're loving this conversation so far. But before we get back into it, I have an opportunity I want to tell you about. As we all know, life is hard. It can beat you down, have you feeling low, and make it seem like you are alone. I'm here to remind you, though, that the most worthwhile journeys, they are not meant to be taken alone. And right now, you have the ability to take action and join others, including myself, on the mission to make every heartbeat count. Head over to cjfinley.com and sign up for my daily newsletter, where I will be giving you information, impactful stories, tips and tricks, and access to a community who are focused on making an impact above and beyond themselves. You also have the perk of exclusive giveaways, potential shout outs, and possibly even some collaborations. The least that will happen is you will walk away into every day with an extra pep in your step. My promise is that I will always do my best to help you thrive on life. And this newsletter is one of the best ways for me to help you do so. So if you're looking to get to the next level of your life, connect with like-minded individuals and have a daily dose of info that will help you thrive, sign up for my newsletter at cjfinley.com. Now let's get back to the conversation with Michael Lehman Jelly. When was the pivotal moment of knowing you like, I, I got to figure another way out? And the reason I'm asking this question and the reason that I've even gone down this path is to kind of show that most people that have some type of side hustle or entrepreneurial success, quote unquote, on the outside have gone through some type of story that usually like leads them to that. And there's someone right now that if you're listening to this, you're just at the beginning, like you're just starting. And that's okay. And I mean, Mike and myself are just starting because we're both starting new things constantly. And it's always a battle of that new creation going to a place we don't know exactly where we're going. But for you, what was that light bulb moment of it's like time for me to make a change? Pretty much when people keep telling you not to do something, I was like, okay. Our competitive nature, it's like, like my grandfather thought a vegan ice cream shop was the stupidest fucking idea because his brain couldn't even handle the fact that people would want dairy-free for their own body, health, ethical choices, whatever it was. And that was still just a barely a concept when I was leaving that first job. But again, so many car dealers didn't want me to leave my comfort zone because what happens in the car business is you get trapped. Every day, it's just this overflow of cars. You sell the car, you go get one from the auction, you sell the car, auction. And like when people feel trapped 
and stuck. Why would they want you to break out? They're like, I can't go. Why, why should you go? And so I loved them regardless. Even I still to this day, the people who told me not to go, you understand they're projecting and where they're coming from. And you're like, okay, I should leave then. And it's scary. And making that first leap out of the car business was the best decision aside from going vegan or plant-based as the second best decision I ever made in my life because you just jump off the cliff and hope that you have a parachute kind of thing. I don't know how it was for you, but for me it was, I didn't realize how many skills I'd actually picked up over the years. Yeah. And when your back is against the wall, how much faster you go, that was a really big sign that I had made the right decision. And for you, run us through a little bit of the story. So for those that are listening, Mike had a vegan ice cream shop called Antisocial Ice Cream, killed it here in Austin, Texas. And now he's moved on to some other things, which we'll jump into later. But when you first jumped, what did that look like? So, because I, kn- I know from the standpoint of like, it isn't just like you wake up and you have the location and you have the branding, you have all bells and whistles put together. And that's what scares a lot of people is just like, okay, you never ran an ice cream shop before. Mm-mm. You were coming from the sales of going into car dealerships every day, completely opposite worlds, yes. right? But you succeeded in both worlds. And this is another story that I'd love for you to go through because again, people that are thinking about starting something new, you don't have to jump into something that you know. Mike didn't go from car dealerships to selling some type of car part. No, He completely shifted and you can do the same thing and you can rely on the skills that you, you had picked up. So how did the car dealership kind of help you car dealership world and sales world help you when you shifted into finding the location of a place, creating the branding, finding what type of ice cream you're going to sell, building a team, all those things. How did those two relate? I think we could take it even further back to my hospitality days of like serving at a restaurant. I loved serving people. I loved bartending. And so those gave me the skills of and the confidence of being able to if I can serve calamari, I can serve ice cream. You know, it's just like, it's all relatable when it comes to being hospitable and kind person. So that checked right there. Like, I was like, I know I can scoop and have rapport with someone, which actually the transaction process was so cool because we converted so many people to a plant-based lifestyle within the minute and 30 seconds you have from the first scoop and hello to the end accepting their credit card for payment. Like, that was something I'm super proud of. But Regarding the dealership lifestyle that I had, I knew that I had so much support in the same way of also just the people knowing what I was capable of, which boosted me up. If they trusted me with this current business that I'm in now, everybody would believe in me to do so many other things. You're right. The worlds are so different, but the skill set of quick decision-making. I was constantly on the phone trying to solve those problems. And like you said, your back's up against the wall all the time that you're just like, okay, that's easy. But my highest recommendation is an organized list. So it doesn't seem like the craziest thing ever. Step one, get an LLC. Cool. Wow. That was easy. Either online or just go straight downtown. Step two, contact a realtor who wants to work for you. They make money by finding you a space. Not many people really know that, that you might think that you have to pay someone, but they make money off the retail leaseholder. Okay, cool. That took a really long time, but it was worth every single day of going on LoopNet. We actually found our space ourselves, even though we had a realtor. I think they maybe thought it was like out of our realm, but we found the most perfect, beautiful sunset space you could have ever asked for. 
for an ice cream shop, which didn't seem so at the time because when we went there to look at it, the whole space was dead because it was like kind of the middle of winter and the Oasis just isn't an attraction when it's freezing. And after Gina and I signed the lease, we're like, "Uh uh-oh, whatever now, we're in it. And so that was really cool. We also had to do some convincing to let the landlord know that dairy-free ice cream was going to be good. But the convenient thing was, and we mentioned this four years ago in that podcast, which seems like fucking forever ago, but the landlord was actually dairy-free. He couldn't have lactose anyway. So it was like, you just never know what's going to align with someone and how much it would mean to him to be able to go to his own beautiful oasis that he created and be able to get ice cream for himself too. So there was a lot of little hiccups. And then we can talk about the renovation. My sister's design skills are impeccable, as you know. She's incredible. And so we took her degree at Drexel from Philly and mixed it with my business sense. And we're like, okay, paint color. Okay, accent walls. Hammer and nail, let's learn. We just took a beautiful build out and made it so much more modern. And if it was a step-by-step decision, the list would have been 5,000 things, which seems so overwhelming to anyone who wants to take this leap. But every single day, you're just like, check check, check, check. And that's like the easiest thing. So I guess Diamond Warranty helped me organize my life because it was all in a binder. And I was writing down every day, like who I saw, what we talked about, how our interaction went. Was it positive or negative? Do they never want to see me again? That kind of thing. So that organizational list that I created helped me transfer into, if I can organize this, which is a bunch of other people, hundreds and hundreds of car dealers who have different emotions every single day, I became like a therapist for a lot of them. They're just venting. You sit down and they want to tell you about how the business is shitty, how the business is great, how their mom's doing and stuff like that. And so you're micromanaging in your head all of these things that it almost seems easier to have a one-stop retail store of something where it's just you and your sibling and then everybody coming through. It's coming to you. Yeah, exactly. That was different. I was always going to them and then having people open that door every day, hundreds of times a day with a line out the door. It was like, it was so cool. The thing I love about your journey is you actually scooped the ice cream. Three solid seasons. I got pinky nerve damage, dude. That is something that's so undervalued in today's world, I think, where you have coaches coaching on things that, they've never done themselves. You have yes. people advising on things they've never actually done. You have investors investing in companies when they haven't actually done anything themselves. You can somewhat game it a little bit with the internet these days, but you can only get so far when you do that. And when you get your hands dirty, you just you pick up so many more skills and relationships and ability to make decisions. The biggest thing I took away from that story was quick decisions. And then I think for me, it's being able to see the small problems that you fix every day that you know actually like prevent big problems. So a great instance for me is even before we jumped on this episode, I just ordered two new memory cards and two batteries that actually go into the wall for these two cameras. And it seems like such a small thing, but when you're me and you're recording every single day, you realize how much time I'm spending like getting things on and off the cards and stuff like that. So if I have dedicated cards and then dedicated batteries where I don't have to worry about the battery going out or charging the battery or whatever, it seems like such a small problem. But over two years of doing this, I mean, you're talking hours and hours of time. In your eyes, what were some of the small things that really turned out to be lifesavers that your quick decisions and your ability to be organized 
helped you with? Because I think that's another thing. There's a lot of people that are good at this, like whether they're in their corporate world or they're at school right now, and they don't realize how much of a skill that is. Because with my wife, Erin, all the time, I'm like, you are so skilled and you don't even realize it because you just think everyone's at your level when the world doesn't really operate like that. Like the world can't just open up an ice cream shop, learn how to paint, learn how to construct, scoop the ice cream, sell the ice cream, brand the ice cream. But the world also can, like if you truly decide to. So for you, what were those small things that really were probably big things when you look back on it? Something that was really important was actually scheduling when you should be open or not in terms of time saving. It was kind of crazy. You realize the days like Monday, Tuesdays, people aren't really out at this beautiful location. It's more of like a weekend date night spot. And also giving yourself the ability to take two days off was like amazing. So our weekend was actually Monday, Tuesday. Wednesday, I would come in and open on three and then do so much work while I was at work behind the scenes. It was just constantly prepping for the buildup of the big days. So that was scheduling. And like you mentioned about time saving, because like to be open for a couple scoops a day, like $15, all the things that you could get done emotionally, physically, mentally to escape that certain space as well is way more valuable than 10 scoops of ice cream sold, you know? And also to your point, I do this thing and I can relate to Aaron a lot because we see things through our own lens and we assume that others have that same lens. And that when it comes to relationships or arguments, you're like, wait, how did you see it that way when it was clearly this way? So there's three sides to every story, if you will. There's my version, their version, and then the truth. And so only the truth is the perfect lens. I just read in your thing where you were reluctant to let somebody take care of a website thing, but you knew that by doing that, it would save you time and money in the long term of process. And so I was very reluctant to let people do things as well. So I appreciate the credit for also you saying I was in there doing the dirty work, but it was because I almost, for the first two seasons, I didn't trust anyone else to scoop as well as me or have the rapport as well as me. How do you know what scooping ice cream and building the rapport for your brand is unless you do it yourself? And totally. that's, that's the thing where it's like, until you create the first one, it's very hard to franchise something that you don't even know what the blueprint is. And I think a lot of people, whether they're successful, they're, they're 50 or 60 and have a lot of money right now and they want to start their own thing. I've actually consulted for a couple of people that were in the retirement age and they wanted to start something. Funny enough, somebody that wrote a book and they wanted to sell their book and they were trying to throw money at the solution when I was just like, you have to build a community around your book. You have to find your target market. You have to speak to the target market. Like, I can't speak to that market. I'm in my 20s. You have to speak to that target market. And that's what I think you did with those first two or three years. And I'd love to kind of flash forward again to kind of how you've shifted out. And like now it's about, okay, you had that success. You knew what it was like to be in the business. Now you're really starting to work on things. So in a minute or two, just give us some of the things you've built after the ice cream shop and like what you're working on today. And then let's jump into this book. Yeah. So I met this incredible person. She was this incredible tattoo artist. And from my business brain, immediately thought, wow, you should have your own space. If you're renting a booth out somewhere in Austin, it was just like, you could pay that money to the landlord and then keep everything as opposed to just profiting off, just giving away your money. So we built a beautiful tattoo shop on South Congress called Common Difference Tattoo. And I loved the build out process of that because I'm not a tattoo artist myself. We were able to create such a really, really cool, unique, 
West Elmy type vibe for a tattoo shop. When people walk in there, they've done such a beautiful job keeping it clean. There's plants everywhere. And it's just like so inviting and like clean and healthy looking. And every time I go in there, it's like amazes me. So sick. We created it. Like it's wild. And we had fun with the merch, which is something I also love too. I think in the next coming weeks, I have this like fascination. This is kind of a side note, but that like society has lied to us about so many things. I just want to be a part of awakening people to that by having really simple clothing that just like if you're walking by someone and you read that on a shirt you're like that's cool and so I think society has lied to you is going to be a potential branding thing for me as well when it comes to merch and stuff like that that brings up an interesting point is it society lying to us or us being unwilling to change because I've thought about this a lot like you have the human ego and then you have like these systems that were built And I don't believe that humans naturally are problematic or want to hurt or anything like that. We just kind of go down the rabbit hole and then eventually things have gotten built in a way that aren't beneficial to like where the reality of the world. Just like you said, there's what he said and what she said, and then there's the reality and the truth. I believe that you have the person, you have the system, and then you have the reality these days. So just something I've thought about, we don't even have to go down this, but it's like you brought up a good point where there's a lot of ways that like, again, going back to the very beginning of the discussion, like grades, society puts a very heavy precedence on grades, but the reality is, is it just because we can't let go of the fact that we want to be acknowledged as humans? And like, that's where I think it's just like, so what's the solution to the grades if we all want to be acknowledged? But yeah, you brought up ego though. So letting go and doing all this self-work your ego is not your amigo this is a good shirt right you walk by someone and see that be like you know what that's pretty fucking correct so in that same light we shouldn't be boosting that kind of architecture for people to grow up in because then you are constantly opinionated and you think that you're always right or that your opinion is more valuable and i'm doing this thing right now where i love music so much i like to play music i like to write things which is like something I never talk about, but I'm doing this thing where if somebody makes something and I specifically might not like it, we need to give credit that somebody fucking thought it, did something with their hands, and then put it out in the world as vulnerable as fuck. Like, that is so cool. And it's only our egos that's creating an opinion that thinks that we know better. This is a cool point. But your ego is the one that made you create. And that's why it's such a fine line. Meaning like, if we didn't have ego, we wouldn't eat. Like, you wouldn't like, you wouldn't go farm or do anything to produce. But are you seeking validation? This is where my, okay, so ego to In me today's world, like, it leans more towards validation than it leans to like survival. Yes. And that's, that's we, really dude, the thing. Survival is already taken care of. I don't think our egos are like going to H-E-B grocery store and be like, I need fucking pineapple right now. <laughs> yeah. Which by the way, that happens and I a think lot people, to me. And that's where I, I think we just kind of solved what I was questioning is- people are confused with surviving versus thriving today. People think we're still in survival boom, but most people, I mean, even if you're in the lower income bracket, like your world today in the lower income bracket is way better than even the middle 50 years ago for most people. So you can still order on Uber Eats. Like most people have phones, even in the lower income. It's like you have a phone, you can call your friends, you can call your family, you can solve problems way quicker. Not to get off the topic of, so you got common difference. You're also working on an Italian restaurant. Yes, me and 
best friend, Isaac, plant-based hacker. We were just working on names and it's his project, which I'm super happy to always be a part of everything he does. And that's really cool, bringing a vegan Italian spot to Austin, which is so highly wanted. If you go to any Facebook group of the vegan variety in Austin, it's just like Italian, 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 Italian. Like we need it. And I'm very excited, especially being Italian. I mean, Isaac's taste is exquisite and he can bring things to life. He's kind of just like us and you've had him on the podcast and he's a little bit more abrasive than we are. And that's why we love him because he's so fucking real. And I'm trying to align myself more with being authentic because as competitive people and the whole great thing, it raised perfectionists. But perfection is the enemy of authenticity. And when you live like that, that's why you just have to jump. I was not really good at selling warranties. You know how many times I had to go into dealerships and then like I would go back a year later and be like, listen, I'm sorry for my presentation a year ago. Let me show you why I have thousands of clients now. I butchered plenty of presentations, but you have to fail forward, like you always say, and like you have to suck, aim to suck first almost. And then you just get so good and repetitive at things. And like I've been writing my whole life. My dad was a really good poet, but he would do things around our family. Like he would write really cool poetry Christmas poems and like stuff like that about his siblings. And I really got fascinated in that. And then I started to think in rhymes for a long time. And that might be like little OCD that most people don't know about me. I kind of OCD about certain things. Um, kind of. Yeah. Like I'm not like, I'm not the type that's going to flick the light switch off like 17 times before I leave a room or something like that or lock the door a bunch of times. But skateboarding and sports bring it out of me. Like I have to tap my board twice before I try any trick just to clear my head that I'm going to commit and be okay with this. Especially as we get older, you're scared to fall, right? And that's oh, like man. something as like we need everything. You, you got me back into it for a little bit, but then I was We had like, a lot of fun, but it's still dangerous. And honestly, I appreciated you just filming me. Like that yeah. was still fun to get out in the sun and like get some clips just yeah. because. I think that's my path. We were just chatting before the podcast. I want to learn how to fly FPV yes. drones. And like one of the reasons is like snowboarding and skateboarding. I have a couple visions of following a person through the trees yeah. of of snowboarding. And then with skateboarding I can only fly overhead with the drone I have now versus like, I want to follow you real closely. And I believe I have the skill to do that. It's just something because going back to like the operator, because I can skateboard and I can snowboard, I can feel it differently than if I didn't. And I think that's what makes me good at flying a drone is a lot of the things that I film. I'm also on the opposite end of a good instance is like I'll fly a lot in the summer with boats and around boats and stuff mm -hmm. like that. But because I'm so in tune with the boats and like that type of lifestyle, it's way easier to fly the drone than if I wasn't in tune with that. Not to get off topic, but I think that relates and culminates into where I want to go with this conversation now where everything that you've been doing has kind of aligned you to write a book. And you just mentioned your dad has been writing and, and obviously that has had an impact on you. But when you're talking like you're doing sales and branding and everything you've done for a business, a book is almost a culmination of that because you're doing so many things all with one product where like you write the product, you have the cover, you have the photos, you have to then market the product and create PR around the product. You have to get on and talk on podcasts like this to figure out, okay, what is the audience that I'm trying to build and the community I'm trying to build? It's much like building a business, but just all in this one little box. So I'd love for you to introduce your book and personal question for you is when was the start of this book? Because like 
from obviously the first time you wrote it, that wasn't when you like came up with the idea. So when was the start for you of the book beyond just pen to paper? Yeah, so I guess I can give the synopsis really quickly to maybe paint a little bit brighter picture. But Ellie and the Earth is a short story regarding a young girl who is trying to convince her parents that the Earth is still more viable than we think it is. It takes place in the future when it's actually their turn to go live on Mars. And she is not having any of it. And not in like a sassy, pissy kind of way, but just as like, parents, will you listen to me about this? And where that came from was I had just had a really long day at the ice cream shop. This was back in 2017. And I was falling asleep thinking about how shitty it would feel to be a child who had this beautiful earth. And then they're like, actually, we need to move to a fucking different planet. Which is, by the way, there's plenty of research going into whether Mars should be livable. And you're just like, but wait, we have this. I just thought how bad that would suck. And then I just grabbed my phone immediately. It was like one of those things where, have you ever been falling asleep, but you catch yourself because you don't want to like waste this idea? Has this ever happened to you? There's a really yeah. funny Seinfeld episode where like he actually has a notepad by his bed and he writes down his jokes. And then the whole episode, he wakes up and he's like trying to figure out why it's funny. That was I've watched that after I did this. I I actually, like, oh, you mentioned Isaac earlier. He was talking about trouble sleeping a while back. And I literally told him straight up, I was like, a lot of people that have a ton of ideas have trouble sleeping. That's because they're afraid Honestly, that their yeah. idea, they're going to forget their idea. So as soon as like, yeah. if you find your, your trouble sleeping, like wake up, get the ideas out or do something like that. And then you can go back to sleep. And that has helped me like tremendously. And that's where like, I've actually tried to get all everything out prior to going to bed. Yeah. So if I find like at seven or 8 PM, I'm like really still anxious. A lot of what I'll do, like last night was one of those nights was anxious. I could tell I was anxious because my heart rate was elevated on my whoop. Immediately start creating things for my podcast. So I created three different covers and a couple IG stories for the podcast. Immediately felt better like an hour later, just from getting that out, that creative outlet out. So you kind of mentioned a little bit of the story and, and where it started. When were you like, okay, this actually has to become a book or it has to become something tangible? So I wrote 98% of the story that night that I was falling asleep, like in my notes on my phone. Because so I for, I have forgotten really cool ideas. Like I have fallen asleep thinking about cool shit. And then I woke up like, well, there goes that. So I made it specifically. I was literally like about to enter dreamland. And then I was like, open your eyes. I wrote all the poets. So it's one giant poem, by the way. So I wrote all of it for the most part in my notes that night in 2017. And then it just has been sitting in my notes on my phone for four years because I still had the ice cream shop. Like it was just starting to pop. We flipped a house. We had the tattoo shop. I've now helped multiple companies build their businesses out to look like a million dollars. And so the very moment that we stopped the MSW renovation, I literally laid down on the couch like I was in therapy and went on Facebook and found a children's illustrator that turned out to be incredible. And it was like, it was like that moment. I was like, I have to see this. I have, I was like, I have to do this. Like, and so that was in April, I think. We spent all of this like COVID summer. She lives in Spain. She's from Russia. So there's a language barrier. And that was kind of a beautiful thing too, was like, this is her first time doing this, my first time doing this. And she's so sweet and kind. And like to have somebody apologize for like a language barrier, like makes me feel so sad. Cause it's like, no, you speak multiple languages. I just speak one. <laughs> You're doing fucking great. Like, don't worry about it. So we we would have eight-hour Zoom calls of, like, where to put this, how to put this, this looks good there. And it was a lot of work, and I'm super grateful for her. 
name's Maria and she's phenomenal. And it turned out the moment she drew Ellie as like a pitch, I was like, you're my girl, let's go. And we just dove right in from there. But it was literally on MSW couch. It was like the nexting syndrome, but the good version. As soon as I was done, I was like, this needs to be ready for Christmas and stocking stuffers. And like, here we are. And it was just like very, very cool thing to just, again, just keep jumping. I had no idea how to self-publish. I had no idea how an illustrator works. I had no idea how to make it an eight and a half by eight and a half because that is a really preferable size for kids. Like it's like so many little nuances to this market and you're like, okay. The reason that I waited till the end of this podcast to kind of dive into the book was because I feel like a lot of people out there want to write a book, but they feel like it's such a huge task to take on and like, who am I to write a book, right? So going back Mm. to the very beginning of our discussion with the, am I important enough? And what you'll start realizing is that your life experience, anybody can write a book based on their life experience and the skills that they have picked up if you're willing to solve problems on the regular and also kind of lean into the unknown. I think five years ago, are you sitting here talking to this Russian girl? Like you don't, you, you cannot foresee that, right? It's just one step at a time. And to the person that's listening right now, that's the reminder I want to say to you is like, stop trying to figure out the future and just work on today. And Mike is a master at that. And it's an honor to sit here today with, I got the book right in front of me. So Mike started a Kickstarter campaign that was successful. Another journey. So run us through what the Kickstarter was like and like your thoughts and feelings of the Kickstarter and whether you recommend it to somebody else out there. And then once you kind of go through that, we'll open this bad boy up um, and maybe read a couple pages. So the Kickstarter was a wonderful experience, such a cool way to grab attention from anybody who's not even your friend. I'm super grateful for the Instagram support and the people who love me and love the visions that we come up with. But Kickstarter was cool. And I think if anyone wants to do a Kickstarter, it's really important to have that video. Like John Scotty, who's phenomenal. We sat in the library and like I wrote the copy, the poetry in my bed before sleep again one night and then woke up the next day. We go to the library and just try to bang this out where I'm like, hey, I want this visual for here. And he's just just click, 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 done. Like again, hiring John Scotty is the money saver and time saver that it would have taken me so long to learn how to edit perfectly timed. And he already knows. So like give him business. Like, what do you mean? So that was really, really cool experience to work with him because he's also a great skater and a great friend. So yeah, the grabbing video for the Kickstarter and the attention is important. A cover is great. You need to have art already kind of ready to go, but you need something people nowadays, they'll get bored very fucking quickly. And so it was like a 30 second video, I think. And it was just the idea behind where this came from. And Kickstarter was wonderful. We raised $5,000 in, I think it was 60 days or less. Some people even just gave $10, which was so nice. So I'm going to send them a book anyways. Like what, I want them to have it like strangers. So I have to like email That's them so asking cool. for their address. Like, I don't know you, but thank you so much. And you just don't know how far $10 or 15 bucks, $5 can go to someone. Cause it just like, it means like a lot. And I hope that they'll get every $10 worth out of this book. They will, because I've already seen it and read through it a little bit. But today is the first day that I get my book. And then it looks like we have something else here, which I haven't seen before. So if you're watching on YouTube, you'll be able to see this. It says a new chapter and it's in a glass. Oh, no. Frame. Frame. Yes. What is this? 
So going back to Kickstarter real quick, there was tiers of rewards. So $25 was your signed copy of the book. $50 gets you a poem unpublished written by me also a long time ago, back in 2017. That was a really fun poem. It's regarding animals and just how they should be included in our society as in terms of like sentient beings. But I started writing at like 9 p.m. on my phone and all of a sudden it was four in the morning. Like it was almost as if I blacked out writing this and it was like really, really fun. So that piece means a lot. And a lot of people who want this book are environmental and they are animal rights advocates and stuff like that. So that was like with the $50, you get that poem. And I wanted you to have it framed because you mean so much to me, obviously. And then there was, I think a $75 was a private invite to our big party to celebrate the book launch. But yeah, so that's the poem, and I just wanted you to have that framed. Heck yeah. So for those listening, I'll read like the first paragraph. Oh boy, okay. It starts, uh, <laughs> it starts with a new chapter, and it starts, Compassion is courageous and often contagious, mistaken for weakness, but these days it's uniqueness. We all share one common ground, but for some reason can't be found, suing biased comments pound for pound, round after round. Lost in translation of politics and frustration, leading to altercations of a once unified nation. Add that in with the martyrs and all we're left with is slaughter. I like it. And if you're wondering what the rest of this will say, I will post this in the notes so you can see it. But I'd love for you to kind of go into maybe a couple pages of Ellie and the Earth so people can hear what it's all about. So I'm going to do the intro and then the afterthought. But in between those two things, I'll read an excerpt from the book. So Awesome. It says, to the future generations... Have persistence when you know something is right to just keep swimming and fighting the fight. I want kids to know that when they have ideas that they deserve to be heard and to keep pursuing as well. So this is one of my favorite pages. Actually, I have to rewind because it gives you context. So Ellie's sitting at the kitchen table asking why we're actually going into space. And she says, I just don't know how we've gotten this far and somehow this is our fate. And her mother says, well, you see, honey, Those who came before us thought of never living for tomorrow, and no one would accept the fact that the earth was only theirs to borrow. So they cleared out the entire ocean and knocked down all the trees. They said goodbye to the wildlife and said goodbye to the bees. They turned the rainforest into farms to make room for the animals to eat, when deep down the animals knew all along that they were only being raised for meat. So now what about those animals, and what about those fish? They're breeding new ones for us now, what more could you wish? There's only little fresh water left and barely any trees for air. So we just destroy the earth and leave, but that's just not fair. Well, now you see, Ellie, that's how this crazy world works. Us humans are good at that, he says with a smirk. So that was her dad giving her his egotistical attitude. It's another really cool part that I love. The traffic report on the radio suggested taking the scenic route, buying Ellie some more time to show them what she's talking about. So they decided to stop at the beach to feel the sun as it continued to shine and to squeeze the sand between their toes one last and final time. Stop and see the animals still locked up in their cages and pens, thinking why this had to happen to them time and time again. Stop at the redwood trees to see them standing tall, to hear the birds chirping amongst the leaves as they began to fall. Lastly, stop and see the mountains to breathe in all of the air, to see the beauty in all things and show them how much she cares. And there's this beautiful roadmap that Maria did an incredible job um, making. So they started out in Northwest and then had to come all the way down to Florida where they were flying out of the space station. So this is one of my favorite pages that I hope kids will definitely love to look at. And then the afterthought. It's times like these when things seem to be falling apart that it's important to realize it's also the perfect time to start. So find your passion, find your love, 
Find the things you've been dreaming of. People will talk and people will chatter. Just know in your heart that it doesn't matter. Stay true to yourself and what you believe. For those who are once looked down upon become the ones who achieve. So Boom. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you. And inspiring. Wow. Yeah, again, this is just this is also for anyone listening, this is for parents to enjoy, by the way. I've I read a lot of New York Times bestsellers out there for kids and Okay, I can't, because I already said, like, I'm not going to judge people's art, but some of the artistic expression is, I don't want to say trivial or meaningless, but it's like a bear looking for a hat is like the whole, and I understand, like, there's age groups and stuff like that, but 10 pages of, like, a person reading, like, the bear is still looking for this hat, like, I want parents to get something out of this, too, and, and I hope it does spark some mindset thought of just like how can we contribute because the kids are the ones going to be dealing with our problems whether we treat the earth kindly now we can selfishly say it doesn't matter but it will matter to them yes and then to their children and your so your grandchildren and it's just like now's a really good time to start diving into like just learning more and i'm not just talking about recycling i've learned a lot about recycling and i don't know if that's actually even not gonna say it's not real but people who work at the plants like God forbid there's one speckle of pasta sauce left on that glass jar. It's trash. They're not like going to clean that shit out. So there's ways of recycling and composting and stuff like It comes that. down to tangibility a lot of the times. And, I and think, accessibility. Yeah. And I, I want to credit you on doing a lot more research and being a lot more open to new ideas and ways of tangibility. Because I think when I first met you, you're a little bit more abrasive in your approach and I think we all are when we get into something that we're passionate about. Me, for instance, was like, everybody has to run their own business. Like, this is the way versus today. I'm just like, that's not feasible. Like, I just want everybody happy at the Correct. end of the day. If you, if you like your job, whatever it looks like, it could be anything. Babysitting, great. As Enjoy long as it. you're happy, yes, I'm happy. And I think you brought up a hot topic that I think we're going to end on, which is not judging anybody else's art. However... I think it needs to serve a purpose. We need to start aligning things to serve a purpose to make the world a better place. And we have, as a society of humans, have fallen into consumerism and making things just to make them. Hence what you're talking about a lot. Rather than what is the actual point of this and how does it provide value beyond myself for a dollar? And I think that it's going to take time. And that's the other thing with being less abrasive and realizing that like, okay, if I'm lucky, I have 50 to 60 more years on this earth, right? Which is great. Um, Hopefully they're all happy and healthy. But the reality is like, there's this is going to go on way past me and I can't, I can't hold that inside. And it's awesome to kind of see you open up and over the past year or two and really go after your goals and what you're really passionate about because that's what we need more people doing. And I hope whoever listened to this episode, that's your takeaway from this, where it's like your journey is going to look so different in so many different ways. But at the end of the day, if you can just keep focusing on bettering yourself and improving yourself and coming at it with less ego and opening your arms to the world, the world will eventually open its arms up back to you. So to wrap up, I'd love to ask you, Whoever's out there that would love to support your book or just support your mission, uh, what is the best way for them to get in contact with you and maybe like buy the book or connect with you? Yeah. So if you are local in Austin, we did get accepted into Book People, which was a huge mini feat. That was super fun to connect with how that process works. I would love if you could grab it there because that'll keep us on the shelves as long as possible. 
And then we also have ellieandtheearth.com. That is the website where you can order a book, and I'll be shipping them out left and right before the holidays come. And the real goal, too, if anybody out there listening has any contacts with literary agencies or uh, publishing companies, I think that this book should be in Barnes and Noble and Target, and it serves a lot more. It's not just a children's book, and I want people to like know that. So let's make it happen. Let's go. That's what this is for. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I can't wait for that day because it's going to happen. We will. We'll see through to it. Last question I always ask everybody. I don't know if I asked this to you on the first one because I don't Uh-oh. know if I was doing this. This is going back. If I were to ask you, what does thriving mean to you? What would your gut response be? There's so many things. And you did ask me this, and it, I would love to go listen to my answer back then. Um, thriving I hope it to, changed. Yeah, you know, it definitely did. Uh, thriving to me now is trusting the universe and just knowing that like, whether you make a right or a left, you made the right decision. So just trust your own process. and Yeah. That one gives me chills. Yeah. Because every day is a right or a left, and you're I, just sitting there. I like, know. Okay. Uh, Especially when you have decision-making issues and problems. So just fucking do it, start it, and fail forward. I love it. I love you. Um, I love you. It's been awesome to see just this come to life. And like literally we're sitting here with your book in your hands and, wow. and that fires me up. And we're sitting in my second version of a podcast studio, which I know is going to improve over the next few months as we keep testing. So it's really cool. This has been a wonderful episode just to learn more about you. I always love learning about my friends and, and their past and what makes them them. I think the biggest takeaway for me today is really going back to time and going back to when we were talking about cheating. Mm -hmm. Um, And the reason that was the biggest thing is just like, there's a constant checks and balances in our own lives. And I really want to analyze my own life right now and, and ask myself, like, where am I cheating myself out of certain things? Because it's not something that I really, I don't think any of us ask us ourselves that really that often. But as we go into a new year and we're getting into the last month of the year, I want to ask myself, where have I been cheating myself and my goals because of my ego? Maybe the ego is like, I want to be seen in a certain way, or I want to make a certain amount of money, or I want to achieve a certain goal that aligns more with somebody else and actually aligns with me. So that's where I'm going to be analyzing. And I hope Everyone that has listened to this, I hope you have some sort of takeaway around going after your own goals and your own dreams. I think Mike said it best at the end of his book here and really talking about this book isn't just for kids and that all of us need to be doing a better job of leaning into our passions and our ideas and really putting ourselves out there because that's what's going to make this world a better place. So as always, the best way that you can help me is to rate and review this podcast or share it with a friend that you think it would connect with. I'd love to get Mike's story out there and and ultimately get this book in Barnes and Nobles. It would be really cool to see it there and go buy it on the shelves there. So until next time, this is CJ Finley with the Thrive on Life podcast. I love y'all. Thrive on. What's up, y'all? This is CJ again. And on behalf of the small team here at Thrive on Life, I'd like to thank you for listening to one of our episodes. Our mission in life is to help people like you fuel your passion and make every heartbeat count. And we realize the best way to do this is together as a team. So we'd love for you to join in on this mission and connect with like-minded individuals within our Thrive on Life community. To do so, please head to thriveonlife.com and connect with us there. We'd love to chat with you. Before I sign off, I'd like you to always remember one thing. When we strive together, we thrive together. So please do your part in helping others 
thrive on life.